All right, boys and girls, once again, welcome to the Rock and Roll Garage. It's your Uncle Jimmy here at Grease the Wheels, parked behind the microphone on Thanksgiving Day. Hey, I wanted to do the podcast late uh, because I didn't really want you listening to it on Thanksgiving Day. It's a day where you should be taking it easy at home and chilling with some family, some friends, and, and maybe a turkey or two, and uh, not listening to me. Ah, I just do want to say that this is an excellent Thanksgiving uh, for me, just because I have you guys out there that listen to this. And I want to say to you the most absolute heartfelt thank you for what you do. Uh, Really, if you're out there on this planet fixing stuff and and making stuff go again, I appreciate you. I really honestly do. I know that it's tough and there's not a lot of gratitude or appreciation that comes your way. Uh, I'd like to take a day like today and say thanks for that. Thanksgiving is a day where you thank everybody for everything that you've got all the time, everywhere, at any time. So thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the mindset of somebody who uh, solves problems. And that's uh, that's kind of what I want to go at you about today. I wanted to talk. I had, I've had been having a really crazy week and, and actually a crazy couple, two, three months here. And I kind of wanted to address that. And I hope that uh, none of you are going through that. But I, uh, I know better than that. I know a lot of you are going through that. And uh, I wish there was something I could do about it. All I can do is really kind of point out uh, what it is that's going on, who's to blame, maybe how to kill them and get away with it. No, not really. I don't condone violence. God damn it. Don't, don't do that. Don't, even though, you know what though, it would solve the problem, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, but let's not, let's not go there. Let's not do that. Let's not be violent, even though it, it, uh, sometimes it just feels like the answer. It depends on what the question is, right? Okay. This week's podcast is called Helter Skelter because it's dealing with the fucking general and overall total absolute massive chaos that comes down the pike at repair shops now what i've noticed is in my experience is that the chaos the helter skelter that comes down the pike towards you as a mechanic as a technician whichever you prefer uh it depends entirely upon a how many technicians and mechanics you have in your shop how big your shop is how many customers you have uh perhaps what the uh, goals are of your uh, service manager or your shop owner and also to how much they would like to try to get you to do and also to i have found and this sucks but the more money you make the more chaos you're expected to digest so if you will uh because you eat this sometimes you eat it for lunch and you don't go to lunch all you do is have a, a big fat fucking chaos sandwich which is uh open face there's not a lot of bread involved with chaos if you know what i mean if you're a flat rate technician you definitely know what i mean chaos doesn't pay the bills it doesn't pay you it doesn't pay anybody it's just extracurricular bullshit that you have to deal with all the fucking time and there's nothing you can do about it and there's nobody you can kill to make it all go away there's just nothing that can happen to it you're gonna have chaos and then like i said there's different degrees of it and of course it does absolutely depend on how many people are working in your building because people people generate chaos people generate it okay and maybe sometimes even you as a technician generate chaos but for the most part chaos comes to you in in your bay and you take out tools and you you make the chaos go away typically but this is at times uh overwhelming it's too much it uh it it drives you to drinking it makes you go home late screaming and kicking it makes you want to you know punch a wall or drive into a fucking bridge at 90 miles an hour it is terrible it's terrible what chaos does to you it, it it creates anxiety it creates stress it creates a situation where you just don't want to do this job anymore and this is a big problem because it has happened to everybody and there's nobody's nobody's been left out of the fucking chaos sweepstakes okay 
Helter Skelter is something that comes down on everybody's fucking head, not just the Manson family, okay? It is seriously something that ruins your fucking day, ruins your week, ruins your month, and then you string all that shit together and call it a year. And that's what's been going on with me, because it seems like, to me anyway personally for the, about the last three months or so the the level of chaos in our shop has risen to fucking dangerous heights okay there's it, it and it's taking a toll on a lot of the a lot of the different people who work there some of which create the fucking chaos and some of which make it go away now as far as i'm concerned as a technician i typically do what i can to make chaos go away so in my particular situation and the frame of mind that i bring to work and the work ethic that i have i have to deal with an enormous amount of chaotic horseshit or bullshit whichever you prefer uh no one animal's bigger than the other one um a little bit sometimes and the, the shit probably smells different but it's still shit it's either bullshit or horseshit and either way it's shit and i don't i don't have time for some of that shit and but yet it still comes my way and and, and smacks me upside the fucking head and i have to deal with it i mean everything literally folks from not being able to find a fucking car in in the parking lot to bring in to work on it and spending 20 sometimes 10 20 and even up to 30 minutes looking for the fucking thing or even before that sometimes spending 10 and 20 minutes or even 30 minutes looking for the motherfucking keys and all of this is because somebody somewhere either a didn't put them where they belong b mislabeled them c gave them to somebody else or d still has them in their fucking pocket and this is a big fucking problem for me I don't know about you. I I know I found I've found in previous situations that really in previous occupations or previous jobs that I've had that the keys well they can be a problem until somebody gets a handle on how to handle them and it's a good way to handle them. Uh, I think in in the last shop I worked at one of the things that we did was a piece of pegboard and we made a, a small sort of a map of our parking lot and then put hooks in the pegboard to indicate not only that that's where the keys were, but that's where the fucking car was. Oh my God. Simple yet extremely effective. Now, can we do that where I work now? No, we really can't because the parking lot's huge. There's always a lot of fucking cars in it. And if you just put keys on a board, then somebody could break into the building and fucking basically, honestly, steal every one of these motherfucking cars. Because one of the things that goes on in our shop that causes chaos, and I seem to be the one guy who has to deal with this the most, is that there's a million motherfuckers in and out of our shop all day long. I have no idea who some of them are we had a I had a situation actually was just yesterday we had a new guy who started nobody mentioned anything to anyone of us about it i'm going to go into that a little bit more later nobody mentioned anything to us about that he's over at a toolbox next to where i work and he's opened it up and he's throwing shit out that's in this toolbox and I'm like, okay, the toolbox really technically isn't assigned to anyone, but the guy next to me who, oh, by the way, is on vacation, has put some stuff in there that he might want to hang on to, you know, like some plastic bags or some parts or whatever. And this guy's got this toolbox. He's opened it up. I don't, I've never seen this guy before in my life. I don't know what he's doing there. I don't know anything about this guy. And he's over there throwing shit out that was in this toolbox. So instead of going over and going, hey, yo, what the fuck? Because it's Texas. You don't do that because everyone's armed. I go to the... I go over to my foreman and I say, you know, what's up with that dude? Is he, oh, is he a new hire or something? Yeah, because he's throwing out everything in my neighbor's toolbox into the garbage can. I mean, this is how bad it is, is that there are literally, I would say probably anywhere between 20 and 50 different people in our shop on any given day, no fucking clue who they are, 
what they do, why they're there. This adds to the fucking chaos. And I've suggested to a pe- people a couple of times, just once or twice, that they should have to check in somewhere and get like a, a fucking, I don't know, like a backstage pass almost to come into the shop so that we know that somebody knows who this fucking guy is and what the fuck he's doing there. Because I don't need the, I don't need the chaos of somebody coming up to me and going, you know, giving me some sort of shit about some shit that I don't give a fuck about. And even if I did give a fuck about it, I can't fucking help him with it because I'm working on a car that's owned by somebody who's not fucking there. Okay, do you get what I'm talking about? I need I need people who aren't going to be solving problems out the f- of the fucking shop. And yet there's all kinds of motherfuckers mingling in and out of it, okay? It's just one of the things that drives me crazy. I think everybody else really honestly probably doesn't give a shit, except, of course, unless somebody's milling around their toolbox and looks like they want to steal something, and I don't even know what that looks like because if somebody did steal something out of a toolbox during the day when we were all there, they would not find his fucking body. Now, let me start right at the top here uh, and try to sort out some of this stuff for you. Maybe, because later on in, the, in this uh, podcast, I'm going to try to come up with some solutions for you. One of one of the people who causes i think the people who cause absolutely the most chaos are the customers but we invite them to to cause chaos and we kind of want them to cause chaos because they're the ones who are going to give us the fucking money right and there's some things that they could do to keep the chaos level to a minimum but they're never going to fucking do it they're never going to do it they're not it's not something that they are interested in doing they're going to come in and they're going to have to pay big money to get something done to their car and they're thinking in their minds that we're ripping them off even when we're fucking not and that whatever they whatever we want them to do to make our jobs and our diagnosis and our repairs easier they're not going to fucking do it as a matter of fact it's one of these cases where if you ask the customers to do something to make your job easier they will go out of their way to purposely not fucking do it they will because people are like that. You tell them to do something. You tell them they need to buy something. You tell them they need something for their car and they will say, yeah, hold my fucking beer. I'm not fucking doing that. I've had, uh, and we, we've we've done this experiment. I've talked about it before with the videos that we have where we tell people they need things for their car and they need them right now and they got to get it done. It's going to be a problem and it's dangerous and all that shit. And they just go, yeah, fuck you. What do you know, right? You're just trying to rip me off. But what we found is that if we go in with our, with our, walk around videos and we tell them, hey, you know what? Your tires are real low and they're going to need to be replaced soon. But yeah, you don't need them today. You don't need them right this minute. It, the, suddenly it changes everything. It changes their frame of mind about what they need for their car. It changes how you feel about it. It changes how they feel about it. And sometimes they'll go, oh, well, go ahead and do them. Because suddenly, instead of being your idea as the fucking ripoff mechanic, it becomes their idea. And that's really all that matters. It's a mental fucking game that we have to play. And I don't, I don't suppose that it used to be as prevalent back in the uh, 20th century and even the first part of the 21st century. But for now, the way it is now is you can't tell people what they need. You can't tell them anything. You can't fucking get through to these motherfucking people. I have seen people with cords literally hanging out of the fucking tires on their car. You tell them they absolutely have to have tires on their car and they leave. I had one not too long ago, uh, the, 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 the response, cause, cause when I get one like this, when I get one, that's really, 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 really one more time, really bad. And a customer is going to take a car that is very dangerous to drive. And I will make, uh, exceptional notes about how dangerous it is to drive it and that they're taking their lives in their own hands. And then when they leave, I go and I send a message to the service advisor. Really? You couldn't sell these fucking tires? And they always come up with some horse shit. We're going to choose horse shit today. Horse shit excuse as to, nah, 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 nah. 
Just some bullshit, just crap. Okay, there's both of them, horseshit and bullshit. We're going to fucking mix them together. But they, they come up with some fucking crap where oh, they have some excuse for not selling them. The, this one car came in, cords hanging out of the rear tires. The front ones were not much better. And they ended up leaving, and I... I I sent a message. You couldn't sell these tires after looking at them on the video and seeing with your own motherfucking beady little fucking eyes that the cords are hanging out and that it's dangerous to drive on them. He took off and left that facility anyway. And he says, oh, he has an appointment to get tires somewhere else. I said, oh, and he has an appointment to go practice lying because he needs to get better at that. That's bullshit. And you know what? Besides that, he's not going to make it to wherever he's going to go to get tires. He's going to crash and burn somewhere. Hopefully he doesn't hit the old proverbial bus full of cheerleaders, fucking asshole. Anyway, just to just to kind of back off from that, from that a little bit, the customers, they don't create chaos on purpose sometimes. Uh, they just want to get their car fixed, and they have problems sometimes. And folks, ladies and gentlemen, mechanics and technicians of the world, we know they're going to complain about every little motherfucking thing that goes wrong with their car when they're under warranty, when they're still in warranty. So this is typically something that only us assholes who work at dealerships have to deal with. And the goddamn it, that's what you got, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> that's what we got. We got that. Um, you know, I we'll get the cars, and you, you all get this. I call it warranty-itis. You know, you got a warranty until they have 50,000 miles on the car and the car's got 49,691 miles on it. And suddenly they can't handle the rattle from the uh, console and they can't handle the fact that the fucking, the, the sun visor squeaks and that the sunroof wh- makes a whistling noise and the door doesn't close right. And they've got 16 other fucking complaints that are just as bullshit as that. Or horse shit, whichever you prefer. And then the advisor, because he's a fucking he is he's not the creator of chaos sometimes. Sometimes he is, but he he doesn't create it, but he does pass it along to you and write every fucking line. And I'll tell you what, as an advisor, I want to go up and just poke them right in the eyeballs. I do. I want both of them. I want to take the index finger on one hand and the index finger on the other hand and poke them right in the fucking eye because they could head that shit off at the fucking pass. But do they? Oh, no, they're not going to do that. Why would they do that? All I'm supposed to do is write down what the customer says. Never mind that when I get done looking at 16 different fucking things that squeak, rattle, or make fucking noise, I'm going to get paid jack fucking shit. Because they're not going to want to fix any of them. They're not going to want to buy any of the fucking parts if they're out of warranty. If they're under warranty, what am I going to end up doing? Putting a whole bunch of fucking crappy, stupid shit on a fucking car that's under warranty and make two tenths here and three tenths there and four tenths there and spend six hours on the fucking thing and make nothing? All you have to do is tell them, say, listen, if we find that this problem that you're complaining about is not caused by a a manufacturer's defect, which, oh, by the way, at 49,000 miles, probably fucking isn't, then you're going to be on the hook for it at whatever your door labor rate is. $220 an hour, $200 an hour, $150 an hour, whatever it is. All of a sudden, guess what? Instead of having 16 fucking complaints, guess what? Now you only have two. 
Uh, yeah, and they're a little easier to deal with. Because believe me when I tell you that, that the service advisors can direct the customers what to complain about and what not to complain about simply by talking to them like human fucking beings instead of a instead of what they think they are. So we go from customers who don't really know that they're being a pain in the ass and causing chaos to service advisors who know how to fucking bypass the chaos and let it end up in your fucking lap as a technician. And then we have the parts department. And I, now I got to be honest with you, I, you know, as, as an old parts guy, I never tried to create chaos personally, okay? But I know parts people who do create chaos, and some of them do it on purpose. Most of them don't, fortunately for us. But you guys know, you you guys know, you get the wrong fucking part, and, and I would say 99.9% of the time, they don't do it on purpose. And there's a couple of cocksuckers out there, I'm sure, who give you the wrong part on purpose because you treat them like, a piece of shit. So in that particular case, you're in charge of how they treat you. You're in charge of whether or not they're going to cause you and anyone else chaos. And obviously from the parts department, if they cause chaos with the fact that a customer wants his car today and you got the part in and you ordered it wrong, maybe on purpose, doubtful, but maybe on purpose, and then you get it and you can't put it in or you put it in and it's wrong or you can't put it in at all or you break something else trying to put it in. That happened to me on Wednesday. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? You, they're creating chaos. And believe me, everywhere where you don't see any parts on the shelf in the parts department is the opportunity for them to stock more chaos, okay? So one of the problems you run into is that the customers bring chaos into your, your shop, into your workshop, into your dealership, and deposit it at the service advisor's desk. They scoop it up and throw it right on your fucking lap. And then sometimes to make it worse, the parts department doesn't have the parts or they get the wrong ones or perhaps uh, the parts they have are incorrectly labeled, incorrectly boxed, or previously enjoyed and fucked up. That happens too. Uh, and 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 for you guys who work in an independent shop, it's wor- I think it's worse for you guys because you're getting parts from some of these parts stores. And I've talked to and had to deal with some of these fucking parts guys at parts stores and they're only slightly smarter than a well-trained German shepherd in some cases. And so getting your parts from a parts store where they they have trouble hiring people to begin with and the ones that they have hired, they probably shouldn't have. And you have to count on these people to, to, to get parts for you and have them delivered to you. And then you find out five minutes after they left and you've already written a check that they're the wrong fucking parts or it's the left side, not the right side or it's a wrong vehicle, and maybe sometimes it's even your fucking fault, okay? So chaos exists at every workstation in the shop. It exists at every fucking service advisor's desk. It it grows and multiplies in the customer's vehicles, and sometimes even the service manager is responsible for chaos, and this is the one fucking person who should be able to avoid it at all costs and should actually take on some of the chaos and try to fucking eliminate it. But then what you have is is you have uh, service managers and, and maybe, you know, shop owners sometimes do things that create or or at least compel people to give you more chaos at work, which is wrong. What I have found in the past and, and, and even up to very recently is that the service manager comes out and tries to solve a problem that you're not fucking having. 
That's that's another way that they can create chaos is to solve problems you're not having or solve problems that really aren't problems or solve problems that are tiny, small problems that, you know what, there's some other fucking fish to fry, okay? There's other problems that you could put your mind to if you have one and try to solve them. So here's the latest version of that, solving a problem we weren't having. We have a tool room. The uh, door gets propped open most times, and we can just go in and get the tools we need and then leave. But we have a device. We have a program that's on our phones where we can go over to the, if the door's closed, it's locked. There's a keypad there, and you have to go into your phone and request that the door be opened and request the tool that you need, and then it opens the door and lets you in, and you get the tool you need, and then if you don't prop the door open, it closes, and then you have to do it all over again. Now, I don't know why the service manager feels like we absolutely have to close the door, and it absolutely has to be latched at all times, and we have to go in and open it up with our phone, and sometimes sometimes it doesn't work sometimes all of the access codes to open the fucking door are being used by somebody else and they haven't turned them off and returned them yet that also sucks that that increases the amount of chaos in the shop but having the door blocked open so we can just go in and out has not been a problem it has not been one of the problems that we have I need to be able to get in there, get a tool, and get the fuck out. I don't want to carry my phone around with me. If any of you know me, you know I don't answer the phone. I don't like to keep it on me. It's a pain in the ass. I know one of these days I'm going to have my phone on me, and I'm going to bend over, or I'm going to be somewhere or trying to get a fucking bolt out of some shit in the back of an engine, and the phone's going to come out and either break or I'm going to lose the fucking thing, and I don't want to do that. And And the other thing, too, is if it rings, I don't want to fucking answer it. That was the problem with my old phone that my new phone has. It rings. I don't want it to ring. I don't want to talk to anybody. What the fuck? Especially when I'm at work. It's like, what do you fucking want? It's always a question. Oh, why is this like this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to do this? No, shut the fuck up. Get off my phone. I don't want to buy your fucking car warranty. I don't need car insurance. I have car insurance. And I'm not interested in a different fucking job, even though the one I got now is driving me absolutely fucking nuts because that started happening. I'm starting to get calls from fucking uh recruiters and whatever else you call them talent acquisition people whatever it's like no don't call me especially during the day guess what i'm doing i'm fucking working the fuck off my phone lots of times they're asking me to come and apply for a job at some shop where they want to pay me 10 15 an hour less than i'm making now it's like hello no i don't think so not gonna happen okay uh so uh and, and, you know, these are people, all these people, whether they're service managers, shop owners, parts people, customers, whatever, these are people you have to have around. Uh, I also have carporters uh, where I work that uh, they churn out chaos in a fucking high, in a in a automated production line assembly style, assembly style. They just, all day long, they just are doing shit that they shouldn't fucking be doing. They'll park cars where they'll park their the fucking incoming service cars in parking spots where they shouldn't. Uh, you know, we have uh, uh, just a couple high voltage uh, electric car chargers in the back and you can't get at them. You always have to move a car out of the way when you want to charge a car. And it's because and sometimes <laughs> you go and you move a car out of the way. And after you move that car out of the way, and you're going to go up and put your car back in there. They put another car in there and then that's when you really want to take their head off and shit down their neck and and the other thing they do uh i don't they they have to do it where we work because there's a very large parking lot there is uh, all the parking spots are numbered and all they have to do is write on the the key tag it's got a paper key tag every every fucking key should have a paper key tag 
Sometimes they don't. And they should write on the back what fucking parking spot they put the car in. But there's three fucking enormous fucking problems with that. Number one, I don't know they know how to count. Number two, I don't know if they know how to fucking write. And even if they do know how to count and they do know how to write, they write the number down and it's totally fucking illegible. It's like, seriously, did you go to school? Did you ever see Sesame Street? You know how to write anything? It's fucking ridiculous. And then I'll get ones. It's like, uh, you know, parking spot 609. Well, is it 609 or 906? I don't know which. You could put a line underneath it. That would fucking help a great deal to eliminate some of the fucking helter-skelter with trying to find where the fucking car is. Because really, my time, my time especially as a technician and all the technicians and all the shops all around the world is money. Time is fucking money. Am I correct? And if you're spending, you know, 10, 20, maybe even 30 minutes out in the parking lot looking for the next car you're supposed to work on, that's money for time that you're not going to get. And oh, by the way, so is the business. The business is not going to get that money either. All because some fucking dipshit couldn't write on the tag, oh, it's in, you know, 609 with a slice with a slash underneath it. So I'm not looking in 906. I think that's a simple thing that you can do to eliminate chaos. The other thing that happens is that there's just a lot of people, and this is something that technicians are doing. This is something that technicians are doing, and I think that perhaps they could uh, they could easily stop doing this, but they're not going to. And it really would be worthless to even suggest that they could stop doing it. But if technicians would just put the fucking tools back where they belong, and I don't think that the door needs to be locked. I don't think that really even has anything to do with whether or not the tools get back where they belong. I mean, if the door's locked, great. Make it harder for them to put the tools back when they're done working with them. Okay, yeah, and that's going to solve that problem. No, it's not. If you crack the door open and you put a battery in front of it so it doesn't close and make it just that much easier to put the tool back when they're done with it, maybe that would actually help eliminate the chaos. I don't see the, the point. You know, maybe we could just make sure we close it every night before we go home. But here's the thing, okay? Whether or not the door is closed, there's so many motherfuckers in the shop that if I'm in there and I open the door, one of them could come over and just grab the door and go in there and help himself to whatever we, we have. But if I I saw someone who didn't work for us in the tool room putting tools in their pocket, I would go over and close the door. And as, after the door was closed, I would beat the living fucking shit out of them because if you're going to steal the tools i need to do my job you better be prepared to fucking die don't fucking do it because if i got to have a specialized tool and i don't have it let me tell you what i go right to defcon one i go right to defcon one and it's worse it's actually worse if it's broken and that's another spot where technicians can be in charge of the helter skelter that goes on in the shop is if they break a fucking tool and just go oh i'll put it back so that nobody knows i did it uh huh. But then if we look at the cameras and we find out that you're the one who broke the fucking thing, then it may be you that gets fucking stuffed into the dumpster all beaten and bloody and possibly dead. So don't fucking do it. Just don't fucking do it, okay? If you're a technician and you break a special tool and it needs to be repaired before somebody can use it again, either fix it yourself, buy the part you need to fix it, or get in touch with somebody at your place of business who can get that fucking thing fixed and repaired so that it can do the job it needs to do the next time without having to fuck around fixing it. That's chaos as it exists in your shop. There's a million, you know, you all know what I'm talking about. There's a million things. There's a million things that go on in a workshop that ha- that that you can't get paid for, that will cause you to lose money, that will piss you off, that will put you into a bad mood, that will cause you to lose time and energy and, and make you want to quit. And, and honestly, uh, the only suggestion that I have for you is that if you can't get people 
in your shop, whether it's the service manager or the owner or the parts people or even the customers, to change the way that they do things, at least to a manner where it kind of cuts down on the helter-skelter, on the chaos. If they can't do that, then by all means, update the resume and get and just start looking around for someplace else that has it together better. Okay, because I've I've worked in different shops myself personally, uh, as as a parts guy and also also as a, as a technician. And I know that there are a lot of things that the other people who work in that shop can do to help keep the chaos to a minimum. I know as a parts guy, I had a big hand, and I mean this, I had a big hand in keeping a lot of the chaos under wraps. I always tried to make sure that the parts I were selling were the absolute correct parts for the vehicle and for the application and for the repair that was trying to be made. Was I 100% effective? No, but I was pretty fucking close. And I would get with my technicians. I wouldn't just, you know, tell the, have them tell me what, I, what they need and then shoo them away and make them go away and stop talking to them. I would make sure I understood what they wanted. Of course, I was a little bit more mechanically oriented than some of the parts guys I've dealt with recently. But I, I would I would get with them and make sure that I got everything they needed. I'd be like, hey, what else you got to have for this job? Do you got to have fluids? Do you got to have gasket sealer? Do you got to have Loctite? Are you going to need any special tools? Am I going to need to get the bolts? You know. But as a parts guy, I took my job seriously. A lot like now when I'm a technician, I take my job seriously. I want to do the job right. There's a lot of cases where the manufacturer just makes stuff, makes it so difficult to do the job right when you know you could do it in an easier way. That's another thing that drives me a little bit wild and causes chaos is how the cars are built and the way some of that shit is put together. I'm telling you, it drives it, that part drives me crazy too. But that's chaos that everybody has to deal with. It's not aimed at you like the personal chaos in your dealership or your shop is. But as a parts guy, I did try to handle as much of the chaos as I possibly could. I would help the technicians whenever I could. I had I had one particular place I worked where we only had a couple, two, three different uh, models of cars anyway. Uh, and a lot of times they would just need brakes. They either needed front brakes or they needed all four. And so I would get a copy of the RO, and it would say, oh, I have a brake noise. And I would look out in the shop, and the guy working on the car would look over at me, and he'd either flash me a one or he'd flash me a two. If he flashed me a one, he got front brakes. If he flashed me a two, he got all four of them. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. I would just put them on the counter. They would disappear. I would bill them out. He'd put them on, but boom, no chaos involved. It was an awesome thing. Now, obviously, a lot of a lot of manufacturers have way more than two or three models of cars, and you really can't get away with that nowadays. But you could if your parts guys were trained. I think that training and experience go a long way to keeping the chaos to a minimum. Unfortunately, because shops and dealerships have decided they want to keep most of the money that they get for the repairs on the cars, they're not giving it to the technicians. The technicians say, adios. Goodbye. And that's here comes the uh, grease the wheels mantra. There's a huge shortage, folks. Huge. Fucking absolutely enormous shortage of technicians. There is it. And, and, and it's worse. Okay. It is worse than we think it is. It's worse than the shops and the dealerships think it is. Because what they're doing is they're spackling the holes in the wall with new guys, inexperienced entry-level people. They're calling them technicians. They're saying, oh, we have 25 technicians. No, you don't. You have 15 technicians and 10 wannabes or posers. And maybe some of them will make it. Odds are half of them won't. 
roughly. We've talked about that before. And if you were to absolutely write down every little fucking thing that causes chaos in the shop, you'd find that the chaos is being caused by people who are entry level, people who are new, people who don't know what to do, people who don't know why they're doing anything that they do. And sometimes when you fucking tell them to stop doing things that are causing you chaos, they fucking don't. I think one of the one of the one of the examples that I have, and we had a we had a car porter at our place, and and I'm serious. This guy's IQ was micro fucking scopic. He was so fucking stupid. And all we want them to do really is to pull the cars out of the drive on, pull them around back of the dealership, park them, park them so that when we come out, we're looking at the front end of the vehicle. So if they pull into the first row, they got to back in. They pull into the second row, they just pull straight in so that we can see the front of the car, so that we can see the key tag or the hang tag on the mirror to see what number it is because we're running on these tag numbers. The keys have the tag number on them, and then the cars have the tag number on them, and that's how we find them. But no, this fucking moron was sticking them on the dash, just just putting them up on the dash. And when I said something to him, I said, hey, you need to put the hang tag on the rear view mirror. No, I don't. No, I don't. And I said, listen, I don't want to have to kill you. It's like your second or third day here, and I don't want to have to kill you. So put the hang tag on the rearview mirror, and he still wouldn't do it. So finally I had to have somebody who has more authority or at least authority over this fucking idiotic tool bag to put the hang tags in the right spot, and he continued to argue that it was no big deal. I'm telling you right now, it's it's a very big deal because when I'm looking for the key tag in one fucking spot, I'm not going to look on the dash. If I don't see it, I don't see it. Sometimes these vehicles don't respond to the remotes. Sometimes they do. Sometimes the response is limited. Sometimes you can hit the hatch button and the hatch will open up and then obviously the car is going to sit there and wave at you. Hi, I'm over here. But sometimes you need the key, the hang tag on the mirror to find the fucking car. And the chaos that this stupid asshole was causing was because he's just too lazy he was just too fucking lazy to put the hang tag on the fucking mirror it's like it's the simplest thing in the world to do it just do it oh yeah i don't need to do it yeah yeah you kind of do unless of course you want to find out how heavy my ball penis hammer is enough with the violence uncle jimmy you got to stop advocating violence i know that it'll fix problems but it'll also cause me to have to go to penitentiary i don't want to do that don't do that either don't you do that either Okay, don't beat each other up. Not a good thing. I mean, you know, I I say it, I say it facetiously, but there's some people who don't take it that way, and it's a bad thing. Okay, because some people don't have a sense of humor, and that's something that makes the chaos worse. You know, if you if you mention to somebody that hey, you know, if you keep doing that, I'm going to have to kill you and bury you in a shallow grave, and that's meant facetiously. But some people don't see it that way. And if they don't, they can go to, you know, if you if you work for a bigger company that has an HR department, you're done. You're finished because you just threatened to kill somebody, even though you were fucking kidding. So there's a million things that cause you chaos. If you've got something in your life that's going on, and I would say at work, I don't want to know what's causing you chaos at home. That can That's a whole nother ball of wax, and I don't really want to go there because I don't have answers for that, you know. You, you're going to have chaos. You're, you're going to have chaos in your shop. And the only thing you can really do as a technician, because uh, quite frankly, gentlemen and ladies, you and I are the ones who are supposed to dismantle the chaos. We're supposed to take it all apart, you know, and I do my best. I really, I, I have to tell you, uh, and, and without blowing my own horn, which I can't do anyway, but without blowing my own horn, I have to tell you that whenever I see a chaotic situation starting to unfold, I will step right in and try to unfuck that situation 
I will try to take the chaos and handle it because I'm really actually pretty good at it. But lately it has washed over me like a fucking tsunami. All of the helter skelter, chaotic fucking situations at work has just been too much. And what is causing me to do is to lose a lot of money because I'm taking on cars that some of the other technicians have quite frankly passed over. They're not going to work on them. They're not going to, they're not going to take that RO and try to fix the concerns on it because when they look at it, they can see that it's a loser. It's a non, it's a non money making kind of a situation. You know, it's squeaks and rattles, which is difficult to get paid for. It's, uh, it's, it's all kinds of things that, that if you spend any amount of time at all looking at them, you know, you're not going to make any money. And I've been taking those on along with all the other chaotic situations that come through the, come down the pike. And, uh, cause I mean, I will, I will step in, uh, just, just, I think it was Tuesday this week. We had a guy who wanted his front plate installed on his car and he didn't have a front plate bracket. So they had to go to parts and get a front plate bracket. And then the, one of the girls in the drive, on was trying to put it on. I said, you want me to do it? And she says, would you? I, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I put thousands of these things on, you know, and just as I'm about to put it on, I go, you, I said to the customer, I said, you want to definitely make sure you want this front plate bracket on your car because I have to drill into the fascia. It's going to make holes. And he goes, well, I don't want that. I go, well, there you go. Do you want it or not? Yes or no? Now is the time to step up and give me a fucking solid goddamn yes or fucking no. And he ended up not putting it on. So I was able to avoid the chaos of having to put a plate bracket on this fucking guy's car when the person in the drive-on didn't really know how to do it or where to put it. Ended up throwing it into the back of the car along with the screws. So chaos comes in in many, many forms, and you can head it off at the pass probably as a technician better than anybody. But that doesn't mean that you're going to need to get a roll-off dumpster full of the shit, okay? You have to try to avoid it. Now, uh, in my quest, in my quest to try to overcome some of the fucking chaos, I, I enlisted the help of a few different websites, and then I found a, an extremely... And extremely, I want to say it one more time with emphasis, extremely helpful web page that offered up some do's and don'ts when dealing with auto mechanics. And it's fucking brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. I would like to get it tattooed on my back. I would, I would like to have it printed on tablets. I would like to fucking get it on t-shirts and I would like to hand it out to all of our fucking customers because this is something that easily could eliminate metric fucking tons of the chaos that we have in our shops, okay? But uh, uh, the first thing I came up with is how to f overcome feeling overwhelmed in a chaotic workplace, okay? And uh, <laughs> they started out with what you do in the first, what you do at first. And it's, it's just, it's a little facetious here, which is excellent for this podcast. But it says, number one, you scream. Number two, you face dive into your bed to handle everything another day. Number three, daydream about a glass of wine or possibly choking the shit out of somebody later. And number four, evaluate, delegate, and do what you can. And that number four is really what you should probably do when you have to deal with chaotic situations. And, and as technicians, I think that really, literally all of you out there are way more skilled and experienced and able to handle the chaos than anybody else. That's why it's so overwhelming. Because as as technicians, we're honestly, honest to God, we're inviting the chaos into our bays, into our shops, into our heads, okay? Because we're the motherfuckers who fucking take care of that shit. So yes, 
evaluate, delegate, and do what you can. I think the last part, do what you can. That's all you can do. Now, if you're overwhelmed with a lot of chaos, and it's difficult even for your Uncle Jimmy to remember this at times, it's because you've handled it fairly well in the past. What a fucking revelation that is. If somebody keeps bringing you bullshit, bringing you stuff that somebody else could easily fucking take care of if they just use their fucking brain, but they bring it to you or it becomes your problem, that's because you're the fucking guy skilled at making chaos and helter-skelter go away. Holy shit. Does that change everything? Well, not everything, but it does make it different, doesn't it? It makes it feel different. People are people have all kinds of chaos in their life. And when they have chaos with their car, they should bring it to you. And you should handle the chaos. And I'm telling you, I know a lot of you out there. And I know a lot of you out there are really fucking good at fixing shit and taking care of these fucking problems. And that's why I thank you every week. Because I appreciate it. And I'm thankful for it. Especially on this day of Thanksgiving. It's important that you guys be good at what you do. Handle and solve the problems correctly. And let people bring you more and more chaos and helter-skelter and broken shit. Because there's a... I'm, I'm telling you, and, and I here it goes again. There is a fucking humongous shortage of people like you who are trained and experienced at fucking turning the situation around. And there's less and less and less of us every day. And all you got to do is read the fucking news. All you got to do is pay attention to what's going on in the world. And you can see that there are only people left. It seems like there's only people on the planet who can create chaos and damage and stupidity. And there's less and less of us who fucking correct it, okay? All right. Now, uh, getting back on the track of, of solving some of the problems here. Now, obviously, a lot of the stuff I find about a subject like this involves people who work in a white-collar situation. We've talked about this many times here. Uh, some of the stuff isn't going to fit. I'm going sp- to spit it out to you and, and maybe give you a little bit on it, uh, but I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I don't want to read it. I don't want to plagiarize it completely. I'm just going to kind of give you the uh, the touch points, okay? Here's what I here's what it says here. I Here's what I recommend you do to prevent getting overworked in a chaotic or busy workplace. Number one, develop a routine for yourself. Well, absolutely, okay? Because when you do something as a routine, you don't have to think about it and you get it done. And oh, by the way, you do it the same way every time. So people can get used to the way that you take chaos and kick its fucking ass. The perfect example is my videos. My videos are so scripted that you could almost go in at the same time on every single video and find me in the same spot on the vehicle I'm videoing and see that I'm looking at the exact same system on that car as I was on the car before it and the car before that and the car 10 cars ago and the car's 10 cars from now. And that routine works for me, at least as far as I know, because the customers get to see the stuff that they don't normally see. And yet all I'm doing is showing them that it's good. And what I do, I mean, I don't know if it works or not. I think it does. I show them what's good about their car. That way, when I show them something that's not good, they go, well, I had 10 things that were good and one thing that was bad. I think that's a pretty good fucking ratio. Maybe I'll have this guy fix my car. The other thing I do too, is I come through uh, when I come and make, I mean, obviously you're listening to me now, so you know that this part is true. Uh, But when I make a video, uh, I speak about what's going on with a car. And when it's a problem, I speak with a confident voice. This is not good. We need to correct that. So that's something that, that you have to consider when you do that. But you can develop a routine for doing videos. You can develop a routine for just doing an oil service. You can actually almost turn into a robot in some situations. Um, but if you're consistent and you have a routine, it makes it a lot easier. 
And part of my routine, and this is dopey as shit. I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. Part of my routine is at about 10 o'clock, I have a Pop-Tart every fucking day. Okay, so that's that's part of the routine because when I get to 10 o'clock, the chaos starts to wash over me. You know, it is spilled over my hip waders and it's filling up my hip waders with fucking chaotic fucking fluid. And then I have to stop for a few minutes. And guess what? I start to dry out. I get ready to handle some more shit. I think about what I'm up to, what I'm going to do. And then I think maybe about lunch even. It sounds weird to eat and then think about lunch. But, <laughs> well, you, you haven't seen me. I'm kind of a fat dude. <laughs> You're not that fat, Uncle Jimmy. Shut up. What do you know? But you, you take a little break. And then that's for you, and that's for you to reset your brain and say, okay, okay, here's the chaos I have to deal with right now. And by noon, I'll have half of this chaos done. By 2 o'clock, I'll have the rest of it done. And then I can get more, like I'm bringing more chaos, more chaos. Because it's in some cases, some of you have service writers, seriously, who do nothing but create chaos by writing stupid fucking repair order lines. Ugh. I wish I had a nickel. For every fucking every fucking ROI got with a fucking repair listed doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, I mean, I'd have a fucking hell of a lot of nickels anyway. All right, number two on this list here is schedule a break for yourself on your calendar. Uh, yeah, for all of you people out there, and I'm I'm honestly, I used to be one of you. I would work through a vacation. I would work through time off. I just I just kept working, and I don't even know why. I think maybe it made me feel like I was useful. And uh, because of the way I was brought up, I've never really felt like I was useful. And finally, I have that feeling, and so I don't really want to lose it. And maybe that's a little bit more than you need to know about your Uncle Jimmy. But hey, it's true. You have to take a break, though. If you're out there working as hard as you can to make money, and you've even caught up just a little bit, and you're ahead of the game, hopefully, schedule a break for yourself. Take some time off, even if it's a staycation where you stay home, just don't fucking work. It is. It does wonders. I I, I had a vacation. I want to say, when was that? October. Uh, was it? Does that sound right at all? I don't even remember when it was. That's how bad it was. Yes, it was in October. And I had a few things I had to do, but I was off. So I slept a lot because I don't, I, I should probably figure out why I don't sleep that much. I think maybe it might be a medical thing or I might need to go to a different style of sleeping. There's a, there's a couple of different sleeping regimes that you can try and some of them work for some people and some of them don't. And uh, I may need to find a different one, but that's all, that's all here, n- neither here nor there for this particular thing. But when I am on break, I sleep a lot. I get caught up, my body heals. And when I am back to work, finally, I'm ready to rock and fucking roll. So take some time off. Let your body heal a little bit. Go have some fun. Maybe get drunk. Maybe get drunk on on Tuesday. What the fuck, you know? I mean, do something. Do something to reset yourself, okay? You should not work 24-7, 365. Nobody should. Uh, and, and if you're working 60, 70 hours a week, knock it back to 50. Uh, you know, if it, if it kills you uh, financially to work less, I, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you need to update the resume and find a job that pays you more and gives you more time at home. I don't know, but schedule a break for yourself, okay? Number three on this particular list, only take on projects that strategically align you as a performer. Well, this one does not fit us that well. However, it can, okay? If you take on projects, they'll call them projects, I call them repairs, that align yourself as somebody who can do heavy stuff, okay? 
we have guys in our shop who are counted on to do, you know, engines and engine repair. And, and some people are counted on to do, uh, uh, high voltage repairs. And some people are counted on to do certain types of repairs and other vehicles that are difficult to do. And then we have, of course, we have a maintenance team, which is supposed to do all the easy stuff, which is not the worst idea I ever heard. Okay. And myself personally, I am, I'm trained and experienced in doing pretty much everything, but for some reason, I've been getting a lot of horse shit lately, and uh, I may have to put the kibosh on that by uh, doing something different. Um, but take on projects that make you that 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 points you out as somebody who gets the fucking job done. It's not too tough to uh, stand out if you do things that nobody else wants to do or that nobody else can do correctly. Okay, do that. Number four, have an outlet or somebody you trust outside of your work environment to talk to you about work-related issues. Well, that's a sticky subject, okay? Because if you talk about things that go on at work to somebody outside of work, say your wife, your girlfriend, or whatever you have as a significant other, or perhaps a brother or an uncle or you know even your parents or even just a friend, you kind of want to keep that shit to a minimum with them. Because if you just constantly go on and on and on and on about how much your job sucks, you're going to find these people do one of two things. They either tell you that they don't want to hear it anymore, or number two, they tell you to get the fuck out of there. And maybe you don't need to get the fuck out of there. Maybe you just need to find somebody who will listen. And that, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes you just need somebody to listen to the shit that's going on to you so that you can unload it out of your mind and disperse it into thin air. Because when you talk to people about your problems at work and they don't work where you work, you might as well be talking to your fucking self. They don't get it. They don't know what your situation's like. And and maybe deep inside, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> they don't give a shit. And then, so it's the same as talking to yourself, but at least they listen and maybe they, maybe, maybe in some cases, they offered you some kind of solution to it. Maybe they will tell you what your uncle Jimmy tells you and say, Hey, if it really drives you that fucking crazy, update the resume. All right, here we go again. There is a fucking shortage, boys and girls. If you work at a place where they absolutely drive you insane, they drive you right up the wall and you leave work and you want to drive into a tree or a fucking telephone pole or you want to shoot yourself or you want to drink yourself to death, stop fucking working there. Stop, okay? You have a lot to offer the planet, your friends, the, the country, your state, your county, your town. You have a lot to offer people and things and you don't need to get all worked up about making some guy money fixing cars when you could fix them for yourself or fix them for somebody else or even find something completely fucking different to do that would be cool a lot of us do end up doing that okay and i haven't done it yet I'm a little on the older side i may not ever do it but uh, i can certainly think about it and enjoy the fantasy that goes along with maybe not doing something that sucks massive dick all right, number five is, uh, and, and this one is not really doable, but it says bring headphones to minimize distraction. It should just say find ways to minimize distraction. That's a big one where I work, it seems to me, and I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I am going to point out that this seems to me there's a lot of not getting a fucking thing done going on. There's a lot of not working going on people are talking hey they're talking about shit that i'm interested in they're talking about shit that they're interested in and sometimes it's just a great it's a lot of fun and we have a really good time we're all we're all pretty much like-minded up to a point and then we talk about things there's a lot of distractions that go on and there's a lot of us so there's a lot of distractions it's difficult to minimize them if it causes you chaos 
to not do what you're supposed to do and fuck off, then maybe what you ought to do is fuck off a little less, okay? Stop fucking off. Hey, it costs you money to fuck off. Really, honestly, if you look at it, I mean, if you got a job that you can do uh, and it pays three hours and only takes half an hour, but you spend 45 minutes talking to the guy next to you, guess what? That job might as well have taken you two and a half hours because you didn't get it done right away. You stopped in the middle to shoot the shit with your friends. It's, it's, you got you to gotta figure out a way to minimize distractions. And that sometimes those distractions are good. But I'd say probably a good chunk of the time, they just cause more chaos. Number six, and this is the last thing on this particular list. It says, have an open door policy with boundaries. Uh, yeah, well, you should have, if you're management in a shop or if you're a shop owner, you should have an open door policy. Uh, a lot of times when you have an open door policy, you go in to talk to them. You say, hey, can I talk to you? And then they say, close the door, <laughs> which is funny, uh, but but it's true. But a lot of times all it is is you complaining about this, that, or the other thing. And a lot of times if you're a shop owner, okay, and you have you know anywhere from two to five guys or 10 guys even working for you, you just want them working for you. You don't really care all that much about what they got going on when they're not there. And you only care about what's going on when they are there. And a lot of times, uh, and I have found this to be not as true as, as you might think, but I think a lot of times you get people who like to try to micromanage a business, uh, especially if they're an owner. They need to kind of keep that shit to a fucking minimum. Your job, literally, and I, I think that every service manager, every shop owner needs to realize this. As a technician, as a mechanic, what your job is, is number one, I'm here to fix the fucking cars. There is no number two. There, I should be doing nothing but fixing the cars. Do you know why? And you should agree with this if you're a shop owner or a service manager because nothing else that I'm going to do, nothing else that I'm going to do or that you want me to do or that I do do, you're not making any money for anybody when you do shit that has nothing to do with fixing cars. Fucking stop getting them to do shit that has nothing to do with fixing cars. Just fucking stop doing it. Stop it. Knock it off. If they're not fixing cars, they're not making money for you or themselves. So stop asking them to do other fucking extracurricular horse shit. My worst one for me is the writing of job stories. Oh my God, I get so much shit for it. I've been doing it for 20 years. I've never had anybody complain as much as they do now about how my job stories look. They want them to look, the, they want them to be, they want it to be easy for them to, to read them and figure out what happened and then possibly code them for warranty if that's the case. It's like, look, I've been, I just write down what I did. That's all I do. I write down what I did. You go through and you figure out what I did and figure out if you can get not only me, but the company paid for what I did. That's one of the fucking, that's one of the things that causes me massive fucking chaos where I work. And it has nothing to do with an open door policy, but it could. If I had to complain about that, I would say to you as a shop owner or a service manager, hey, I fix cars. Don't ask me to do anything fucking else, okay? Now, I'm going to move on to another list here is real quick. This one, mirror image, some of the stuff on the other one. Uh, some things that you can do. Here's what it says. Practical tips to survive a chaotic work environment. So this is answers to questions that uh, you might have. Uh, number one here, it says effective time management. Sure. You have to effectively manage your time. Now, what I do uh, to kind of help with this is every night before I leave, number one, I take all the cars off my list, whether I'm done with them or not, unless, of course, they're shredded, and I want to get them the fuck off my list so that I can start over again from scratch. Unless, unless 
unless I've got something that I've shredded or I only have to do one more thing and then I can throw it outside. But then I go from there and I make a little list. And believe it or not, because I'm an old guy, I just make a handwritten list. Holy shit. I don't do it on my phone or on my laptop. I just make a little list of all the ROs I need to, to, to work on the next day and what I need to do to them and, and what needs to happen. And then I'll prioritize the list even. I'll put down, I got to do this first, this second, this third. And what I find is invariably, and I mean this happens every fucking day, I will get to the first or second thing I get to do when I get there. And then somebody will come along and toss an arrow at me and say, oh, can you check this one out? Can you look at this? This is a comeback. That's this. This is that. This is you need to go here. You need to go there. You need to do this. Everybody's always sometime trying to get in my shit and fuck me up with something else. See, at night when there's nobody around, I can make a list of things I need to do without somebody else going, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. Oh, what's up with this? What's up with that? Where's this? Where's that? I don't have to deal with that at night. It's one of the reasons I work late is so I can get my shit straightened out so I can come in in the morning and fucking dive on it. Just dive in and get it fucking done. And usually that's about the same time that somebody dives in on me and tries to get me to do something else instead of what I would like to try to accomplish that fucking day. So prioritize, uh, be effective uh, in managing your time. I think a lot of you are really good at this. It is, I will say this right now if I could, it is really easy to effectively manage your time and prioritize stuff if you have two bays, if you have two lifts. And this is becoming a big problem for me. It is a big problem for a lot of the technicians I work with because, like I said, they uh, the management has hired uh, some new technicians, uh, three or four of them in the last week, and uh, we're running out of room for them. So what that means is that anybody who has had two bays in the past is now going to be down to one single bay. And it limits what you can do and what you have to do. In many cases, we have situations where we have to program vehicles, and that takes time. And what are we going to do? Now, we're going to throw a car in our bay, hook it up, program it, and sit there and twiddle our fucking thumbs while it programs. I'm not going. To, I'm personally not going to let that happen to me. How about when you have to uh, evac and recharge AC? Uh, yeah, that takes time, especially if you do a vacuum at the end and it's a long-term vacuum because you want to make sure that the system is cleaned out. It takes anywhere from half an hour to 45 minutes to an hour. I've had some vehicles, the, the machine will go up to 99 minutes. I do it for 99 minutes because I have the room to do that. I can work on something else in a whole nother bay while it does that. That makes that AC system work really fucking good because there's absolutely nothing in it that could be considered condensable gases. And that's one of the things that causes an air conditioning system to not fucking work. How about when you have to do an electric car repair? Lots of times you have to pull it up, pull it in, put it up in the air, drop the battery out of it, pop the top off the battery, figure out what the fuck is wrong, see what you need to repair it, and then guess what? You get to sit and wait for that shit to show up, and sometimes it doesn't show up for three, four, five fucking days, sometimes even longer. What are you supposed to do? Slap this thing back together half fucking broken and push it out nobody wants to fucking do that nobody should have to do that you should have two bays some people should have to have should have two bays but no what they want to do is they want to stick this dollar 50 an hour guy in your bay to do oil changes all wrong because that's what accountants say they have to do yeah they have to learn how to let you effectively manage your time and to prioritize what you do otherwise they're just they're just bending you over 
and they're not giving you a reach around. Next one is communication skills. I'll tell you, this is a huge one for us because, and here's what happened. Here's the example, okay? The other day I went looking for a set of keys, couldn't find them, spent 20 minutes looking for them. Finally went and talked to the fucking advisor. Usually they don't know a fucking thing about where keys are. They pull out the old, uh, the old mantra of our shop. I don't know, I don't know. And, uh, but this particular time he said, oh, I gave those keys to the people out back who fixed the dents. So they have the car. Great. Couldn't put a sticky note on the fucking RO. Couldn't take the RO and hold on to it in a special tray or something. Couldn't say anything to the dispatcher. Couldn't say anything to anybody about it not fucking being available to be repaired. Just leave it out there like it's a regular broken car in a regular parking lot where the keys should be in the box where they're supposed to fucking be. No, can't do that. I can't communicate like that because I'm a fucking asshole. All you need to do is pull your fucking head out of your ass and figure out that, hey, you know, somebody might be looking for this car later. I should probably let them know to wait until it's fucking finished with the dent people. No, I'm a fucking asshole. I'm just going to sit in my chair, twiddle my thumbs, and look at fucking Facebook Marketplace. It's bullshit. I get to the point where I can't fucking handle it anymore. How fucking nonchalant and stupid our service advisors can be. Uh, Organization and prioritization. I am extremely organized. And prioritization, I do try to prioritize what I have to do, uh, taking into account a lot of different things because obviously I'm trying to solve problems in a very timely manner for people. I find that I have cars that are waiters. I have cars that have been there a long time and I have cars that the customer has a loaner. Guess what? If you have a loaner car, your car goes to the back of the fucking pile. I can work on that at my leisure because you are out there driving one of our brand new cars. And you're probably out there also fucking it up. I don't know about you folks. If you have loaner cars where you work, and I don't know if it's just our place, but man, our customers are fucking going out of their way to fucking jack these things up in the most creative manners possible. I have seen some that were fucking smashed in the side, smashed in the rear, smashed in the front, smashed in both the front and the rear and the fucking side. They are just killing them. I think we have a fleet of around 50 and a good eight to 10 of them are smashed up real bad right at the moment it's ridiculous it's freaking ridiculous we even had one uh about a month ago or so where uh he was a customer with one of our loaner cars was racing uh, another car and the car he was racing crashed and the particular person that was driving that car expired in the crash he died from that crash and what they found was that it was a, apparently it was a tesla and a tesla's like to record everything that goes on with them and so they were able to grab about half a dozen really good screenshots of this guy driving our car our loaner car away from the scene of the accident I don't know what happened there. I probably shouldn't even tell you about it, but hey, what are they going to do? You know, it's, it's something that happened. It's, I'm not making it up. So, uh, but our, our, our customers love to fucking kick this shit out of our loaner cars. But uh, when they do have a loaner car, I'm going to prioritize everybody else's shit over theirs because they're driving one of our cars. They're not without a car. They can stand to wait for their car to be repaired. Uh, we don't do it on purpose, obviously, but it's something that we have to do to make sure that people who who don't have another car get their shit fixed a little quicker than the rest. It's not something we have to do. It's not something we do on purpose, but we do have to do it to try to get people mobile again as best as possible. Staying organized and prioritizing the work also helps me get it done because I can concentrate on one or two things instead of eight things at once, which I can't do. Anyway, uh, the next one on this list is just a really, really super short list. Uh, Stress management. 
Um, well, I've said before on this podcast that I don't have a lot of stress, but that's not really true. My thing is I leave it at work. I leave all of my stress at work, and sometimes it's not pretty. I will scream and holler at tools that fall on the floor. I will call the car's names. I will disparage the people who built it. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I don't think it's appreciated. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not fucking taking it home with me. If there's somebody who I either work with or have worked with, they will tell you. This is no bullshit. I leave it at work. Trust me. I think my latest thing is that I've, I have threatened, because I work for a German luxury brand, I have threatened to rent a B-17 and go bomb the factory where they built the fucking thing so they can retool to build it right the next time. Jesus Christ, it's fucking ridiculous, some of the shit they fucking do, which causes me stress. Because I look in my mind, and I've been around cars long enough to know that they can be built in a lot of different ways, with a lot of different systems on them attached to them and interacting with them in a much different manner than the way they are and when they do shit that doesn't make any fucking sense to a technician it's simply because they made it that way so it's easier for them to build it they don't give a fuck about who's fixing it when where why or fucking how and it irritates the shit out of me all they would have to do is move a couple of nuts and bolts in the fucking CAD drawing that they made for the part and then drill that hole three inches lower or one inch higher or over to the left a little bit and we'd all be a lot fucking happier. But it's not happening, okay? All right, and the last thing on this little list here that they have for us is maintaining a good work-life balance. That works no matter what fucking job you have. It worked no matter what job you have. You need a very good work-life balance. You need to be, look, divide the day into three pieces, right? It's 24 hours. 24 hours divided by three is eight. You should spend eight hours working, eight hours sleeping, and eight hours doing whatever the fuck you want. Being with your kids, being with your wife, your girlfriend, or your husband, whatever, whatever you have in your life. You should be with the people that are in your life. If you don't have any people in your life, you can certainly do what you want to do. Outside of work, you need to have a, a, you almost need to have like a finish line. And I love it when I see people I work with who have an absolute goddamn finish line. They get to a certain point and they're gone. They leave and they're enjoying their life outside of work. They're living their lives to their fullest potential when they don't fucking work. Because just and it, and I mean it's the say it's a saying that is as old as time and and the English language itself. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Don't be a dull boy. Don't don't be a dull Jack. <laughs> All right, that's that list. Okay, I got one more here. We're gonna get through it real quick here. Uh, Ten ways to deal with modern workplace distractions and chaos. Ten ways to deal with modern workplace distractions and chaos. Number one, focus on creating a positive, harmonious, and professional work environment. Yeah, that's really out of the question for a lot of us. A professional work environment? Have you ever been in in an automotive repair shop? Yeah, okay. Well, you need to do what you can to try to make that a reality. Uh, There's a lot of shit that goes on in the workshop that is just absolutely fucking childish and ridiculous just destructive there's bullying that goes on there's hazing that goes on there's yelling there's screaming there's throwing of things it is really literally like a fucking pre-k for adults that is just out of fucking control there's nobody in control okay number two here again we're talking about communication ensure transparent and clear communication this is a huge fucking problem where i work people do not know how to communicate and even when they do 
clearly communicate. The people they're clearly communicating to clearly aren't fucking listening. I don't want to go on anymore about that. The communication is really, like, really, honestly, I think it should be number one because sometimes you tell somebody that you don't want them to do something some way and they're just like, yeah, fuck you. Uh, number three, unchain yourself from email compulsion. Uh, this, this really what I think they're talking about here is mostly just getting away from being online, okay? Uh, I don't I don't read emails from anybody at any time when I'm working. It has nothing to do with fixing the cars. It really literally has nothing to do with it. Somebody emails me some shit about something that's going on. If it doesn't help me fix a car, I don't want to look at it. I figured out a long, long time ago that emails almost never help me fix a car, so I'm going to ignore them. Okay, I will occasionally go through and look at my company email and I will see shit from three weeks ago. I will find out what we were supposed to have for for lunch on a Saturday three weeks ago. It was some horrible dog puke anyway. Did I need to know that in an email? No, I didn't. Uh, Number four, it says maintain a work journal. I'm not sure what they want you to do. I think as a work journal, as a technician, a work journal could just be keep track of your ROs, what you did on them, how much you should get paid, and then make sure that your pay uh, is commensurate with what you did, okay? Because where I work, they have a really, 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 I'm sorry, it's coming three more times, really, really hard time paying us for the work that we did. Somebody's always forgetting to do something or forgetting to put in how much time was spent working on this or they, they forget how to do that or they code something incorrectly for warranty. There's just so many ways that they could just not pay you correctly. And it sucks and I hate it. And and I don't feel like it's should be my job to be on top of how much I get paid, but it it nobody else is going to do it. You have to do it. So uh, maintaining a work journal should really for us as technicians, especially if your flat rate should be maintain a, a a list of everything you should be paid for and make sure it matches what you actually do get paid for. Because I'm telling you, I've been working at this place for a long time and it really haven't been able to give me the right, the proper pay at any single given point in time in those last year and, and all the time I've been there. It's always been wrong. There's always been something that they forgot to pay me for, something that they didn't pay me enough for, something that they didn't code correctly and I didn't get paid what I should have gotten paid. It happens every, every, every single pay period. So you need to do that where you work. Uh, I don't do it because, well, I don't get my timesheets, although I'm going to start getting them from now on. I don't go through and check them out uh, just to make sure I got paid what I should have been paid. Uh, that that sucks, but uh, I haven't done it yet. I, I found, one of the things I found, this is just a little advice from your Uncle Jimmy. One of the things that I have found is that if you're going to check your payroll, do it at night, do it later in the day. Okay, because when you find mistakes, and and like I said, on mine, I find mistakes every single time. There's never been one that's been perfectly right. But when you find mistakes, it will piss you off. And you don't want to be pissed off at the beginning of the day. You want to be pissed off at the end of the day, okay, because it, it won't affect your, uh, your pr- productivity if you look at it when you're done working. If you look at it in the morning, it'll definitely piss you off. I had one instance where I got paid and I checked the timesheets and I, f- I found that there were 26 hours I did not get paid for. Now, I know that some of you probably just fucking, your, your jaw hit the floor. Yeah, 26 hours that they didn't pay me for. Well, they went back and they looked it over and they said, well, he said, you did actually get paid for this one and you did get paid for this one. So we only cheated you out of 14 hours. Oh, you only cheated me out of 14 hours. That's still 14 hours too fucking many. 
and they were not going to if if it wasn't up if it wasn't for me checking they would have never they would have never paid me for those 14 hours. They would have never gone back and seen that they fucked up. They would have never gone back and seen that they didn't do this right or that they forgot to do this. They would have never done that. They would have never done that. And I can guarantee you that every single pay period I've had has been wrong. It's been wrong. Maybe it's off by an hour. Maybe it's just off by two. But this one was off by 14. And I found the average was usually five to seven. That's my fucking money. God damn it. They need to pay attention. They're not. They won't. They can't, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm going to start keeping track of it. I think you should too. Number five on this list is focus on long-term goals or end goals. Uh, As far as technicians go, uh, our goal should be just to make more money every year. Our goal should be to get raises every year. Uh, That's really all we have. I mean, you, you can go, you could probably go and be a foreman. That's a whole different can of worms that it's just, uh, bait for future chaos and different kinds of chaos. And, and quite frankly, the foreman's job should be to, to sift through and sort out the chaos for you. But in, in lots of cases, uh, there's absolutely so much chaos that they just can't, they can't handle all of it. And so you're, so you're going to get some too. And maybe you don't have foreman. Maybe you have a, a shop manager of some sort. Maybe he's a technician. Maybe he's not. And he's supposed to keep this shit under, under control and he doesn't do it or he can't do it or he's not going to do it. Or maybe he's creating the chaos, which would be a, a bad fucking thing, okay? Uh, the rest of this list is all, this. the rest of the, the number six here, let me just go through this because it, it doesn't really fit us. It says define business hierarchy. Uh, well, okay, there's some things, what they're trying to say is there's some things that should be taken care of by different people in the business, in your business, in your particular office or your particular shop, and you should be able to say, okay, that's something that the manager should handle. That's something a foreman should handle. That's something a parts guy should handle. Uh, you wanted to figure out who should be handling some of this stuff when it comes right down to it. If you don't do it, nobody's going to, okay? Number seven is formulate a realistic business plan. You know, as a technician who works for yourself, if you are uh, if you are a flat rate, you are technically in business for yourself. You're selling the work that you do to your boss. He pays you for that work. And then he turns around, he fucks, he fucks the customers and he asks for it. But hey, uh, what it says here, formulate a realistic business plan. Put together uh, what you can do, what you're good at, maybe what you need improvements in. Uh, also, to uh, training that you might need. And then also to kind of put together an idea of, of what you should be working on and what you could be working on and whether or not they're giving you this work or not or whether they're giving it to somebody else. Uh, a realistic business plan should involve you raising your boat and, and everybody else's too along with it. Number eight here, adopt proactive mindset and ponder over productivity. This is important. Being proactive, uh, it's not something that that I have caught anybody else in my building doing. Okay, if we have a problem, it probably has festered for a good while longer. And I can give you a million fucking examples. Uh, one example is that our alignment sh- machine had a broken head that went on the uh, right rear wheel, and it was broken for a year. And every time I tried to get somebody to fix it, they would just blow me off. It's like, 
I finally took the fucking thing apart and showed the guy who fixes our alignment machine that it was broken. And he said, oh, I didn't know. And I go, bullshit. I fucking told you. I told them. I told them. I told them. I said, how many fucking times do I got to tell you that the fucking thing's broken before you'll fucking believe me? And then they got it fixed, but not until after a year. And because of the way it was repaired, which was not the way anything should have ever been repaired, it probably was fucking lining up cars wrong for well over a year and a half. But nobody gave a fuck. Nobody was proactive about it. We were reactive about it. Finally, I had to go in and fucking put my foot down and say, listen, this thing needs to be fucking fixed. Look at it. Don't just blow me off, you fucking wad. Ponder over productivity. Absolutely. Uh, This is something that your Uncle Jimmy should do. He needs to do. Uh, I need, trust me when I tell you, I need to avoid the helter-skelter as bad as anybody. And my productivity comes down to the fact that I can't seem to get anything done at times because nothing's going right. I mean, I have days, and usually they're called Mondays, I have days where I try to get something done. It should take me, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes, but I can't get the things I need to line up to get the things done that I want to get done. And this destroys my productivity. I've, I've long since canceled going to lunch at any given time ever because my productivity falls off a cliff while I'm at, while I'm at lunch, and then I can't get back on the cliff after lunch. And then I end up getting nothing done. One of the things that I do is, uh, for productivity's sake, is I don't go to lunch. I try to eat lunch while I'm standing in my toolbox looking up, you know, repair instructions or service bulletins or some shit like that. Number nine here is recognize seductive office drama. And I'm not sure why they use seductive drama. Seductive office drama. Uh, I think what it is is that when somebody's got some, some rumors and some gossip that you, as somebody who works there and knows pretty much everybody who works there, wants to hear it. Well, you kind of need to fucking close that shit out. A lot of times, I look over and I'll see three, four, five guys shooting the shit about something. I can't hear what they're doing. I don't go near them. Don't go near them. It, it costs you money. If you're a flat rate technician and you spend all your time around the water cooler shooting the shit with everybody you work with and finding out who did this and who did that and who's up to this and who's up to that and who's pregnant, who's not pregnant, who who tried to get pregnant, you know, I mean, that kind of shit, you guys got to fucking lock that shit out of your head, man. Who gives a fuck anyway, right? All right, number 10, improve self-awareness, and that will tune out chaos from work. That goes along with number nine. It's like, look. You know, when you got shit going on that's going to drain your energy and cost you time, which, by the way, is money, knock that shit the fuck off. Get away from it. Be aware that you're fucking not working. That's basically what that's saying, okay? Now, to get to the, uh, to get to the end here, this is the, uh, the cherry on the top of the Sunday. This article is called, and then I'm going to end, end the podcast here after this, okay? Because uh, I've been rambling on for a while. And I'm sorry, but you know how it is, right? If you've listened... To even one other podcast, you'd be like, holy shit, this guy goes on and on and on. Does he ever shut up? And the answer is nope, he never does. Uh, This is five do's and don'ts when dealing with an auto mechanic. Five. There's only five here. I think I could probably come up with about 400. But here's five of them, and they're actually pretty good, okay? Uh, it, It talks about you wanting to bring your car into a shop and get it repaired. Here's some mistakes that you make. Here's some things that you could do that will help you get your car fixed quicker and better and get you back on the road. Number one, communicate properly. The better a consumer is able to convey to a mechanic what's wrong with his or her vehicle, the easier it is for the technician to diagnose and fix the problem. Fucking hallelujah. I have had people, and and it's actually a good thing, I've had people videotape what's going on with their car because I'll tell you sometimes, and and I've said it before, that no matter what happens to a car, 
I believe the customer when he says, oh, this is what happened. I believe him. And the reason I believe him is because I've seen cars do things that I can't believe, even though I was standing right there watching it do it. And if they send me a video of what it did, that helps a lot. It also helps if they can accurately communicate what the fuck it is that their car did that they don't like. And there's a big list of things here, uh, and it's it's it, it's a short list. I say a big list. It's it's not that big, but it's a bigger than a than a, it's it's not a small list here. Uh, some of the things that they could use, some of the things that they could say that would help you diagnose their car and, and cause it to take less time than normally. Uh, backfire. Uh, obviously a backfire sounds like a gunshot bottoming excessive noise or harshness that comes through the steering wheel bucking uh, that's when a car is lurching back and forth dieseling we know what that is hesitation of course we all know what that knocking uh, I think that with knocking there's there's a lot of different things that would categorize themselves as knocking suspension components that are loose or uh, an engine that is knocking such as detonation sure there's two different cases there but even if it's just a knocking uh, typically, if it's a suspension component, you can duplicate that without too much trouble. And if it's knocking from the engine, well, you may have to duplicate the concern uh, by driving it. Uh, misfire. Uh, nobody's afraid of misfires anymore because most cars have computers. The computers know what's misfiring, where, and sometimes even when and how and why. Uh, shimmies. I don't get that one very often. I don't know about you guys. Shimmy, uh, a side-to-side motion. Uh, I have cars that actually shimmy on purpose because they have rear steering. Uh, that's a handful to drive. It's like trying to drive a marble, uh, and I don't really like it. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, if a car wants to park itself, yeehaw. Let me get the fuck out of it first, okay? So when it hits something by doing this fucking thing that it's going to do, it's not my fault because I wasn't even in the driver's seat. Uh, it's the car being sluggish, sure, if it's sluggish, that can that can help lead to a correct diagnosis and also surging same thing okay number two number two route in my book and then you've heard me talk about this on and on and on number two is set realistic expectations and no one who drops a car off at your shop no one no customer anywhere in the world is qualified to set realistic expectations you know why because they don't know what the fuck is wrong and on top of not knowing what the fuck is wrong, they don't know how to fix what is wrong. They don't know how long it takes to fix what is wrong. And sometimes they count on some other asshole who doesn't know how long it takes to fix what is wrong to tell them how long it's supposed to take to fix what is wrong, even though they don't have a fucking clue as to what is actually wrong. I had a service advisor one time tell me, I don't know a single thing about cars, but she would not hesitate for even a moment to tell a customer how long it's supposed to take to fix their fucking car. Wouldn't hesitate. How long is it going to take? Now, mind you, this is a woman who didn't know anything about cars and would freely admit it like it was a badge of honor. Oh, it should only take half an hour. What are you? Are you fucking stoned, honey? Can you do it in half an hour? No. Do you think I can do it in half an hour? I don't know. Then why would you tell them it's going to take half an hour? You have to lower the customer's expectations if they don't set them realistically, which, by the way, they're not fucking going to do because they don't know. You can't, you know, having realistic expectations as a customer, it sounds great. But they, like I said, they don't know what the fuck is wrong. They have no idea. They have no clue. So how could they set realistic expectations? They can't. You, you as a customer, and, and I don't think anybody really expects you as a customer to set realistic expectations because you have no fucking clue. 
But when you talk to the people who are the go-between between you and me, the mechanic, that guy should be able to set realistic expectations. And that is like the rarest fucking thing I've ever heard of. I got one guy, one guy out of like eight who can tell a customer and set realistic expectations with them, who can talk to a customer and set realistic expectations. The rest of them are just like, oh, it should only take like this long or, oh, it should only take that long. When they don't know, A, what the fuck is wrong and B, how long it's going to take. And oh, by the way, where the parts might come from. Some of them have to come from a whole nother fucking continent. Jesus Christ, stop with that fucking shit. Setting realistic expectations. I don't expect a customer to do that. I expect them to have unrealistic expectations, but I expect somebody to straighten them out. That is where we have failed massively. Okay, number three, don't drop off a dirty or cluttered vehicle. Now, I don't give a fuck about dirt. And as a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, when I do my videos, I finish up towards the end. I walk around and show them the outside of the car from underneath on the lift, and the lights make them look like they're fucking absolutely filthy dirty. And I'll tell them, say, you know what? Your vehicle's your vehicle's in great shape, but it's a, on the dirty side, or it's a little dirty, or it's a lot dirty, but we're going to clean it up. We're going to run it through our car wash and spiff it up. There's power in that, because you know, and I know, and everybody that works on cars knows, that if your car is clean, it seems to work better. And it may be 1000% in your mind, but it seems that way. So you bring a car in and maybe you're just doing services to it. You point out that everything's good, like I do on the videos. I point out if everything's good. If there's something bad, I'll make a quote for it. But I'm in the middle of doing the services and then I come around and say, yeah, your car's kind of dirty. Your car's in great shape, but it's kind of dirty. But we'll clean it up for you. Because we did. We honestly did at my dealership built a car wash specifically to wash our customers' cars. It cost, I was told it cost a million fucking dollars. Who makes that commitment? Well, shops and dealerships nowadays do that because that's part of the service, getting it cleaned. And when you, I've seen some of these cars because what'll happen is they'll come in for service. They'll get a service done and I'll be like, ah, you need uh, brakes. Okay, great. And then what I do is, because this is the way it works in my place, I automatically assume that they're not going to sell the brakes because automatically uh they almost always don't anyway uh because for whatever reason they oh the technician says you need brakes well i don't believe them but oh and then they go well i don't if i don't need them i don't need them fuck it i'm leaving you know i'm not going to give you any more money so what'll happen is i'll take the car out after i do a service and i will run it through the wash and it goes to the dunro and then if by some grace of god by some fucking magic spell somewhere somebody actually buys some repair that i recommended some 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 maintenance that i have recommended then i go out to the new car to the done car lot to the row where uh, to the row where the cars are that are finished i will grab that car and pull it in and, and do the repair that was sold and i find that after they're washed sometimes they look like a completely different vehicle Sometimes I'm looking for a car, it's all filthy and dirty and grungy and it's got shit all over it and everything. And then the car wash people cleaned it up real, real nice. And I'm out there standing right next to it, looking at it going, that can't be the same fucking car, can it? There's power in that, people. People are going to drop off their cars dirty. That's going to happen. Uh, I live in Texas now. There's a lot of dust and dirt here. They can't help it. They live there. They, they live on roads that are they, they've got so many down here they can't even come up with names for them anymore they just got numbers but they're called fm roads farm to market roads i can can you imagine hauling you know hauling ass down a farm to market road how clean is your vehicle gonna look after that not very uh cluttered however that's a different story 
if I have to take your battery out of the back of your car, because the manufacturer that I work for puts them in the back and you have put 3.9 metric tons of shit in the back of your car, I have to take all of that fucking shit out to get to the battery. So it would be a really, 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 really good idea to clean that shit out and leave it at fucking home. Because if you have something in there, if you have toys or sports equipment or anything like that, I've talked about it before, we're going to fuck with it. We are going to, because we are all children, all of us. We may be the most highly trained, skilled mechanics. We get into a trunks full of toys and sports equipment. We become children again. It takes us right back to when we're six fucking years old and we are going to fuck with your basketball. We're going to fuck with your golf balls, your tennis balls, your fucking football, your hockey equipment. We're going to fuck with it. You got toys in your car. We're going to fuck with them. We are going to. If your trunk is full of shit and we need to remove it, okay? I mean, if we don't have to fuck with it, we're not going to fuck with it, even if it's toys. And I mean, you know, regardless of whatever it is, if we don't have to mess around with it, we're probably not going to. But if I have to pull it out to change something that's in the trunk, then probably not just me, but like other people in the shop will come over and fuck with your stuff. So leave it at home if you don't want it to be fucked with. The famous story that I've told a couple of times on here is that we had one lady who was a sex worker and she had all of her leather gear in the trunk and we had to get in the trunk for some reason. I don't even remember why, but one of the guys decided to put on the, the headgear, you know, that leather headgear that they put on. It has a, a zipper for the mouth and two pencil holes in the side of the, uh, inside of the, for the side of the head for the ears. And he put this thing on and I was kind of surprised he did that, but he put it on and he was laughing. Even though the zipper was close, you could hear him in there <laughs> laughing. And then I said to him, I said, Hey, how many guys do you think have come on that thing? And he almost tore his fucking nose off trying to get that thing off as fast as he could. <laughs> uh, that I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I know I've told you that before, and I apologize if you've heard it before, and it, and it wasn't funny to you, but to me, it's literally one of the funniest things that ever happened to me. <laughs> so don't leave shit in your car. That's the, f- <laughs> that's the moral of the story, folks. Don't leave shit in your car. <laughs> Uh, especially if we got to get in there and fuck with it. All right. Number four, make yourself available. Yeah. Um, how many times have you tried to sell something and you ask the service advisor, Hey, what's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? And they go, uh, I haven't gotten a hold of the guy yet. Or, uh, he won't call me back. He hasn't called me back. If you drop off your car and then you go and you spend six months on the international space station, fucking let us know beforehand. Will you Jesus Christ? Cause I don't want to shred your car on my lift. And then have to screw it all back together again so I can put it outside until you fucking splash down in the Atlantic, asshole. I don't care if you're a fucking PhD from whatever fucking college and you're up there doing an important fucking experiments for whatever fucking reason. If I have your car in my shop and it's all shredded and I can't get a hold of you to fucking get an okay to fix it, I'm going to be pissed off at you. And I may show up at the fucking splashdown of your fucking space capsule and fucking drown you, you dick. You have to think about other people sometimes, you know, you drop your car off, man. You better have your cell phone on. You better be able to answer the email. It's probably what you do at work anyway. Number five, and this is the last one on the list and then I'll get off because I I think I've spewed enough anger and venom for one day. Uh, Number five is leave the technician alone. I got to be honest with you. This is a, this is a big one for me. I don't want people watching me fix their shit. It fucking, it, it calls up a level of anxiety which I don't usually have and I am not skilled at dealing with 
and that I can't deal with and I won't deal with it. If you want to watch me work on your car, I won't work on your car. It's simple as it is. Now, I know, and I've said it on this podcast before, I know that it's coming. The day when we're filmed, when we are watched 100% of the time via video. But that's different because I can get used to that. I know that sounds ridiculous. It's the same thing, but it's not. Because if if you have a camera in your bay and it's pointed at your at the car you're working on and you're working on the car, the camera can't sit there and ask you questions. The camera's not going to go, oh, why are you doing that? Or what was that all about? Or why did you why did you take that part off my car and smash it? Or, you know, I mean, shit like that. A camera's not going to do that. A camera is simply going to document what you've done, when you did it, and if it is, in fact, done. And it's not going to allow for any kind of feedback, whereas a human being standing there with a cup of coffee going, yeah, let me ask you a question. How come this is like that? Why do you guys charge so much for this? You know the deal. You know the deal. The technicians, we want to be left alone. I do not want to have to explain to somebody how every motherfucking thing on their fucking car works. I don't want to do that. I am not going to do that. I am not paid to do that. There, frankly, isn't enough pay out there for me to do that. And if I if I decided I wanted to do that, I would just create a YouTube channel and I would show everybody that owns one of those cars why it's built the way it is, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. With the brand I work with, a lot of this stuff would be explained as being wrong and a fucking problem. And I got to tell you, I honestly think that there's coming in the future where people will be able to dial you up and watch you on video work on their car. And I don't honestly think, I mean, some of you might be shaking your head going, oh, come on, Uncle Jimmy, that's not going to happen. I go, I'm telling you, there's places that are working on it. They're working on it and they want to do it because it's it's the absolute ultimate in transparency. And that's the only thing that's really going to repair our reputation as technicians. If somebody thinks we're trying to rip them off and they can actually watch every little fucking thing we do to their car, they can see that guess what? We're really not ripping them off. And and if they and honestly too, I think the one other thing that they could do just to kind of continue down that path a little bit, if people think we're ripping them off, what they ought to do is request the old parts every time, every time, and then take them to some other mechanic somewhere and pay him to look at them and go, hey, is this really bad? And I have actually had that happen not very often. I think in twenty years I've had it happen twice, and somebody comes up, hey, is this thing bad? And I'll just be like, well, it looks bad. Is it for your car? Yeah, they replaced it, and they gave me the old one. I said, well, did you try, you know, whatever it is, it's like, did you try putting it in to see if it is actually fucked up? Well, no, I didn't do that. Yeah, okay, well, you have to trust somebody to tell you it's fucked up, right? Yeah, well, there's your fucking problem. Your problem isn't with the part. The problem is with your fucking lack of trust issues. All right, that's enough of your Uncle Jimmy here. I hope that, uh, I, I would hope that some of the helter-skelter and some of the chaos can be alleviated by doing some of the things that we talked about here. Uh, I don't suspect it's going to make a dent. Uh, there are people, I think that there's really kind of two kinds of people out there in the world. There's people out there who create chaos in one way, shape, or form or another and read, i.e., people that aren't technicians. And then there's other people who take chaos and helter-skelter and slay it and kill it and leave it in a garbage can all fucked up, and that's us as the technicians. And there is nobody else. There is nobody else, and that's you. And I want to say one more time, I am very thankful for you. I am thankful that you're all out there doing what you do. Uh, I hope you're well-paid. I hope that you're taken care of and that the chaos is at a minimum. And if it's not, you can certainly update the resume 
and move on. All right. All right. That's it. That's enough. I'm just going to get out of here and say, see ya.